Welcome to the Peak Pursuit Podcast, presented by Callaway Cloud Consulting, where wisdom meets ambition on the mountaintop. Each episode, we're unlocking the secrets of success with leaders in the business world. Get ready to laugh and maybe even cry as our guests openly take us through the highs, the lows, and the invaluable lessons learned along the way. Stay tuned for a wealth of insights that will certainly fuel your own peak pursuits. Now let's get to today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Peak Pursuit podcast presented by Callaway Cloud Consulting. We have a very special guest today, one that we should have hit record as soon as we got onto the episode because he already started to drop so many nuggets and so many things about leadership and in the tech world. And so I'm I'm very glad and happy who we have on the podcast today. We have a visionary technology leader that has been in this space for 20 plus years, leading key growth initiatives in the information IT, hosting, and media industries. Known as an expert in delivering innovative, high quality, cost-effective IT solutions and strategic initiatives that improve performance and reduce costs in this ever fast-paced environment. On the Peak Pursuit podcast today, we have the CTO, that's right, the CTO at Fortune Magazine, Jonathan Rivers. Jonathan, welcome to the Peak Pursuit podcast. Thank you for having me. It's also always awesome to get out and, and share with folks and, and talk about what whatever's on our minds. Well, whatever's on our mind is now 2024 and we're in a, a new year, and it's uh, it's going to be a new year. And I like your setup. I see. Is that your Peloton back there? I think I see that. It is. I I, I bought it. Um, I've I've had it. Let's see, five, seven years. So I I got it pre-pandemic. Uh, I was the CTO at a global professional services company, and I was fifty percent travel. I was going to India. I was going to Romania, and I'm largely a runner. But what would happen is I would do all of this travel. My my time sense would be off. I'd be waking up at three in the morning. You can't exactly go for an eight mile run at, at three o'clock in the morning through downtown DC. It just doesn't work out, right? Sometimes it's raining, sometimes it's cold. And I just on a little research in a whim, never taken a spin class in my life, uh, went ahead and invested in it. And it has been one of my favorite things for years because it allows me just very quickly to get a workout in without all of the overhead for going for a run. If it's rainy, I can get my workout in. If I have meetings at, at, at seven, I can, you know, take a meeting at seven, work out from eight to nine, and then get a meeting at nine. It's, it's been, it's been really great having. It. Yes. I love that. No, I love that. I did not get on the Peloton train yet, but eventually I think I will. I'm sure I, I'm sure that I will. And so I gave the listeners a little bit about, uh, when I say a little bit, two sentences of who you are. So give the listeners a little bit more about who Jonathan Rivers is. Yeah. Uh, uh, look, I, it, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I don't have a very traditional background as, as CTOs go. I, I certainly don't uh, have a, a, a normal background for, for, for folks in media. Got 20 years, well, a little more than 20 years experience. The beard's getting a little gray these days. Um, you know, primarily in media for for the last 20. Uh, you know, in 2000, I was building out one of the first publisher side ad serving systems, and that was a fun gig where I was do, I I was doing both hosting 
right? So dedicated web hosting and building one of the first SaaS advertising products, you know, spent about 10 years running that startup where I was lucky enough to get to go to PBS uh, as part of their real digital transformation, right? And this is, you know, 2012, 2013, building out a full video portal that's better than a lot of what you see on the market from players like Max and Peacock, who are very, very late to the game. That'll bake your new PBS beat NBC and, you know, HBO to the streaming market. Like, that's just absolutely wild. But I was lucky enough to get to go there, build out all of their cloud infrastructure, all of their DevOps, uh, you know, all of the uh, all of the hosting for those digital products. And a fun opportunity came to go with some of the folks to PBS to move to London for a couple of years to do my next digital transformation at the Telegraph in in the UK. Uh, and and there rebuilt uh, an entire IT department that just wasn't sort of high functioning at the time. Uh, ended up overseeing a year-long, Lord, seven, eight million dollar replatforming of the entire website from one CMS to another and launched their first e-commerce product, uh, Telegraph Travel came back, took a break from media, did professional services for, uh, for about three years. And, and I'll, I'll say this, I honestly recommend to every CTO to spend a couple of years in professional services or consulting because the breadth of technology that you get to see working with different customer base, I had a thousand developers you know, in 50 teams for 50 different clients, you really get to see development at scale. You get to understand customer interactions at scale, agile products at scale, product delivery at scale. Uh, and that was great. But after a little while, you know, my uh, thirst for media and frankly, working with my own teams, you know, sort of called me back and I heard about the opportunity at Fortune. I'm Fortune's first ever chief technology officer. And, and a lot of people don't know this, for 90 of Fortune's 95 years, it's been a very small magazine and a very large publishing company. And in 2019, uh, it was sold to a private investor and, and became independent. And I was brought on board to modernize it, but more importantly, build out the entire technology team. March 4th, 2019, I started with zero staff. So I had to take control of a website, replatform it, get us to market in one year, and also hire everybody all along the way. Uh, I am a sucker for nearly impossible jobs, uh, and 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 this seemed like one of them. So it it, it sounded rad. Uh, and you know when when Fortune calls you and says, "Hey, you, can you build this thing from scratch?" I'd be like, "Sure, I got this." You know, great, great. Uh, but yeah, so over the course of of almost five years now really built out and modernized and and you know it's interesting you you let in with with fortune magazine uh company's name is actually fortune media and you know a lot of my mandate has been taking us from a magazine with a website and turning us into a digital media company and making sure that we had all of the products and infrastructure to compete in the current you know uh market space right just having a website doesn't cut it anymore right uh, you know, you need a lot of different distribution channels. You need different monetizations. You can't just rely on banner ads to to grow and, and go on. So uh, really, I, I, I 
to summarize, I, I tend to specialize in a lot of digital transformation and turnaround jobs and, and, and focusing on, on either going in and fixing teams or fixing technology. And in this case, I got to do it all at the same time. That's incredible. Um, <laughs> coming to Fortune and then moving over in, in media, changing it to Fortune Media. And then, I mean, I want to go back because you said something March 12th of 2019. So you're saying that you built this entire team in the mix of a pandemic when everyone's working at home. That's a fair statement, correct? Um, so <laughs> I had hired six or seven people uh, that we, we so uh, over the course of 2019, hired six or seven people to take control of the website, uh, redesigned it with the, the help of a, a, of a third party. But we launched the paywall itself, or we launched the new site in January of, of you know, 2020. And uh, two months later, I was I was literally in Romania visiting one of our technology teams when the travel ban came down. So uh, my teams were in New York. I was in Romania. The word went out to close the office, send everybody home with their laptops. I flew back to D.C. and didn't go to New York for a year, year and a half. Wow. Well, OK, with with Fortune and now media, even though we were before Fortune magazine, what, how does, how does one have the vision to turn into digital transformation? If you, if you're creating something from scratch, how did that go for you? Like, how did you have that vision? What were the steps that were needed? Cause that's so interesting to me because you creating something. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a great question. I, I, I don't get all the credit. I, I, I get credit for making things happen. So the, the team at Fortune had been hard at work before I popped into existence, right? And, and so they had a lot of ideas about what they wanted to become. They had done a lot of the groundwork uh, with some consultancies about uh, the direction that they wanted to head and how they saw all of that panning out. What I had to come do is hear all of those ideas and translate that in the things to build and the order to build them. And that's that's part of the, 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 the challenge and where product and technology go together. And it's not enough to just build things. You have to build the right things in the right order to be successful. And that's the approach, right? You know, that's where you're looking, okay, here are all of the ideas and saying, I'm going to build that and I'm going to build that and I'm going to build that and then I'm going to build that. And then going back and working with your executive team to explain to them the vision, right? These are all the things you want. This is the order we're going to do it in. And this is why. And that's how you approach that one. That's incredible. That, I mean, that, the, hearing that and, and having the true vision, you're the first one, the first CTO. What what brought, I mean, what, what, what excited you about going to do that? Like what really said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to move into this. What excited you about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, first, the, I mean, the brand is, is fantastic. Um, I, you know, I can do a lot of things uh, in my life, but I really enjoy high quality content. And I was such a fan of Fortune's journalism. Uh, I fell in love with Fortune at one of their conferences, Brainstorm Tech that we have in July of, of, of every year. It's just such an amazing 
conference and I, I, I had just such a, a, an honor of the brand, right? The fortune 500 is iconic. It's probably better known than the magazine itself. Um, but you know, I, I mentioned earlier, normally I get called to either fix a team or fix a technology. And this is really common, right? For, for CTOs or, 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 or any sort of technology executive, you know, either, Somebody had built the wrong thing and it is crumbling under the weight of scale or just bad decisions. Or you have a team that has just collapsed or can't can't get its shit together, right? Like for whatever reason, software isn't going out the door and you're you're generally called to fix one of those two things. In this case, I mean it was it was Hercules seven tasks. You know, we we need to get to market in about nine months. You need to start from scratch. Can you do it all? That sounds like a real challenge, right? Uh, you know, you, you think about jobs. You could go work at very large companies, right? You know, you think about like if a Fortune 100 company called me, what am I going to go do there? Am I going to increase something 1%? Am I going to make something 2% faster? Or, or you know, a, a, am I going to save money that's bigger than my budget right now, but it's a rounding error for them? Right. So, so having the opportunity to do something very, very impactful, uh, that, that had great meaning for, for, you know, something that you believed in, that's a no brain. Hmm. Let's see. I actually want to ask a personal question and, and talk to me through how you got into the tech role, your background. You're very passionate about it. And I love hearing that. You know, I get to interview thought leaders, business leaders, entrepreneurs. And it's so funny, Jonathan, when I speak with people that just have a pure passion for what they do, it comes off even in this virtual world. So where did that come for for you? Yeah. Uh, you know, fun fact, uh, some people know about me, not a lot do, and and, and it might surprise you. I, I am 100% self-taught. Uh, I barely graduated high school. I did not go to college. I went into the Marine Corps uh, in, in, instead. But Growing up, uh, my my father uh, had a computer science degree from uh, SMU in, in Dallas, Texas. You know, and and literally, I remember you know when I was a kid, he showed me his final exam. His final exam was a cardboard box about this big, filled with punch cards. Right, and so you know. My, my, my father was, was into computers before anyone had them. Right. And, and he had gone into computer sales. And when I was 10, he had these first computers and, and, and these first computers, right. Are nothing like what we experience today. The devices that we're using right now, this thing was this big lumpy box, probably like three times the size of an Xbox that the keyboard folded out of the front and there was a, a, a little green monochrome screen about this big. And I just became fascinated with the device. And, you know, as I was, uh, I was a kid, I mean, I was probably like 10, 12 uh, at this time. And, and I always wanted to play games and uh, on these things. And I had very basic games uh, sort of early on. And as we sort of advanced into the 8086 architecture, uh, you know, so the IBM clones are very early on. I, I also love video games. My dad told me, he was like, look, you don't get to play video games until you can program. And and so I uh, learned how to program and, and did that. But but here's also the thing, you know, this is uh, what, I to 12, uh, 85, 88, you know, 
it's not like an Xbox right now where you just put a disc in and you hook up your controller and you play. Back then, it actually took a lot of skill to get video games to run on computers. They weren't designed for it. You had to do memory management. You had to load drivers for your joystick, for your sound card. Uh, you actually had to do a lot of effort and work to get these games to run. And, and you know, computing is so seamless now. But as, as, as I, you know, went into my teens, you know, uh, I played a lot of video games. I was a competitive Quake player for, for a number of years where we did LAN parties, right? Because again, internet didn't really exist. And if it did, it wasn't fast enough to do anything. And so if you wanted to play games with folks, we would rent out like hotels or conference centers and literally network 10, 50, 100 PCs together so that you could play wow. network games. And and what I found over those years, I was doing this for fun, but I didn't realize that I was teaching myself network administration. Uh, and, you know, as I, as I, you know, got out of the Marine Corps and, and sort of kicked around and went through tons of, of odd jobs that, that weren't satisfying for me. I, I, I ended up uh, doing what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to go into technology. I wanted to be a motorcycle mechanic and an outlaw biker. And uh, I, I thought that if I, if I caved and used my computer knowledge, I would be trapped in that industry. <laughs> Joke's on me. Uh, but, but yeah, so I, I, I ended up you know, uh, after a while, accepting that there are worse things than making a decent living. Uh, and, you know, got in, my first job was in, in technical support, right? I still remember to this day, thank you for calling Compact Computers. My name is Jonathan. How can I help you? This was the launch of Windows 95 and, and helping people set up their computers. And so it's just, it's all built from there, but it, it started with a love of video games and, and really using that to learn the entire industry and, and sort of, you know, push, push my skill set. That's incredible using what you like. And what, you know, it's interesting, Jonathan, and what's cool is, uh, so my neighbor in Florida, I'll share like a super quick personal story. My neighbor in Florida is, and so he was the backup quarterback at the Green Bay Packers for Aaron Rodgers for the longest time. He is an exceptional Madden football player in Fortnite. And he, on the side, he was like, he was playing video games and recording it and uploading it to, you know, YouTube and TikTok and Spotify and all these different places. And so then he got cut by the Packers and now he plays video games for a living. He has his own YouTube channel. He has 150 subscribers and he is, I mean, he's doing great and he loves video games. 150,000 subscribers. Yes. yes. He has 150,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. I mean, he it, it's, it's incredible. And I talk to him all the time and he's like, I play video games for a living and it's the coolest thing in the entire world. Yeah. I mean, it's it, like finding what, finding what you love and, and, and what you're good at is, is, is immensely powerful. And, and I, I think, you know, that's, that's where you, to that point, that's where people start to see success is, 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 you know, in, in technology, we talk about product market fit. But there's a lot of that in our careers, right? Do your interests match needs? And and is the work motivating and inspiring for you? And if it is, you're going to get better at it because you're going to put your heart and your soul uh, sort of into it. And that's, and that's where growth comes. 
Amen. God, I couldn't have said that any better. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah, we, we, we were talking a little earlier about uh, people getting promoted as, as, as far as they want to go or, or advancing as, as, as they want to go. And, and I, th- I think it's important for everybody to think about in your, in your career because I never wanted to be a CTO, right? I didn't wake up at, at 18 and say I wanted to be a CTO. Uh, it, it, I just had this string of jobs where, you know, as I did my job, I was like, okay, I, I think I could run a network engineering group and, and, and that looks fun. You know, I saw my boss doing it. I liked the conversations he was having. I I liked seeing all of that. And I was like, I could do this. And I did that. And, and that felt good. And, and, you know, there's this, this fun story where I was, literally in an underground uh, coffee shop uh, in a mall in Singapore where where the, the president of my company was like, I want to stay in Singapore. Can you go back to the US and run the company? And when somebody says, do you think you can run a company? And I thought about it. And I was like, yeah, sure, I could do that. And, and, I, and I took that opportunity. And, and here's the thing about that, that statement where you are either energized in that role and want to continue to do it or do more, or you start, or, or you're not energized. And if you're not energized, you either need to look for an exit strategy, or I promise you the exit strategy is going to find you really, really quickly. Um, and, and, and that's, that's the whole thing about sort of success is, you know, is what you're doing motivating you? Are you getting energy for it? Because if you're not, you're going to check out or they're going to check you out, right? Because you're just not able to, to sort of contribute. And that's the other part of, you know, success or, or sort of the dirty part that, that nobody talks about, which is those more senior roles are more demanding. They take more out of your, out of your time. They, they, they take more out of your life. You know, you're, you're not going to have a C-suite job and a lifestyle job at the same time. Like it just ain't going to happen. I, you know, for anybody who wants to be a CTO, I promise you it, it is, it is not, I'm off at five o'clock and I'm out fishing, right? It, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. The C in front of the name. And I think, uh, our, our other guest, Pamela probably got kicked off. We're still recording. So we're going to continue to record here. Maybe she'll hop back on here, but, um, I love that. I love how how you ended with that. And then there's our special guest, Pamela. She is back and she is recording. And so what about, building teams do you love so much how would you categorize that into the fit that you do you you know uh i'll I'll talk about that for a second and i've done a lot of this instinctively for a long time and i've only understood it in the last five years at 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 fortune you know at at fortune we talk a lot about purpose-driven leadership and uh i I had gotten that wrong for so long. I, I thought my purpose was to build. I, I routinely say the the greatest thing in life is the the act of, of creation uh, and the, the the act of creation. And I thought that was my purpose to go out and build. Look, anybody can build, right? You know, give somebody a couple of two by fours, some nails and and some paint and you've got a birdhouse. Yay, you, you built something. Whoop-de-doo. That's not a purpose, right? Building birdhouses isn't really a purpose. And, you know, as we've, I've worked. I've got to listen and work with all of these amazing uh, 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 CEOs, and you know Tom Colditz, uh, who who talks a lot about purpose driven leadership. 
I started to realize that a lot of my purpose or what energizes me about building teams is providing opportunity. Uh, you, you know, you, you ask, how did I get here? I fought, right? I fought and I, I, I bucked the system and, and I, I basically said, screw you. I can do these things and, and, and fall my way to the top. Right. Uh, and now that I'm here, I just, I find it really rewarding to provide opportunity for people who are not blessed by the lottery. Right. There are a lot of people who are blessed by the lottery. They got the right name, the the, the right look, the right education, the right whatever. You know, the, the, the gods smiled upon them and they are going to sail through life. Not everybody gets that. And, you know, building a high-functioning team full of people who have opportunity, just it's really, it's really rewarding to, to be the person that, gets to help someone, right? I built fortune. I built the fortune development team off of graduates from Flatiron School, Code Camp, right? I am proud of each and every one of them. Most of my initial team has has moved on to better jobs, right? You know, uh, they came from Code Camp. They had never, you know, they knew how to program mostly, but they didn't know what an agile sprint was. Or, or how to, uh, or, or what velocity was, or, or, or how to estimate tickets, or T-shirt sizing, or Fibonacci points, right? They didn't know any of this. And two years later, they're getting amazing jobs as, as, as very real software engineers, and that's just hugely rewarding, right? To, to, you know, not only to build, right? I've built a lot, but, but to create opportunity uh, along doing it. And when you, when you build a team like that. That's different than a team full of robber barons, right? That's a that's really different than a team full of people who are blessed from the lottery, who they're just there for whatever the paycheck is or whatever the next job is. You know, these are these are people who their lives are now different. Uh, they are getting to do cool things, things that they've never been able to do. And then you get to watch them grow and you you get to watch them do all of these great things that they knew they wanted to do, but were, didn't think anybody would let them or had imposter syndrome or whatever. So it's just, look, it is, it is just supremely rewarding to build a team and, and uh, one from opportunity and let them go do great things. I'm the world's biggest doorman, right? My job, like, yeah, I, I, I opine about technology here or there, but, but a lot of what I'm here for is opening doors and let smart, talented people do really great things. Hey, man, goodness gracious. I, I have love having conversation with leaders and individuals that that share your same testament. And, you know, and I go back to the the career and, and things that where I have been. And what you said, too, like, so people will say to me, Jonathan, and it hasn't been a ton, like, oh, you're so lucky you get to do what you do. And it's like, you have no idea. Like I've spent hours upon hours late at night crafting, figuring out what needs to be done and I, teaming up. And I've, I've had leaders in my life and they've said, the goal for you is, is to move on. And I don't want you to be on my team anymore. And we don't need to be doing this. You know, that's, that's the number one sign of a good leader. And I love that. And I think that's such a good testament. I could tell 
working working alongside you would be just like that. So, yeah. look, and it's uh, let me talk about luck because luck is the door opening. You still gotta see it open, and then you gotta walk through it. And neither of those things are luck. I think we just in the episode right now. We're good. That's the that's the comment we need right there. No, no, it, it, it's, it's so true though. I mean, it's like, no, they're, 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 you have to see the door open. You have to go through it. You have to work hard to where it seems that you're lucky. And I think that's such a strong statement. I love it. Ah, oh, goodness. I love that. You know what I love though, is that you're, you reach down and you look for the sort of the underdog and then you nurture that. So it's not just presenting an opportunity. It's standing that, you know, standing that potential the whole time. So that in and of itself is a skill because you're talking about people that don't necessarily have the confidence. You have to help them build the confidence. You have to not just one time. I mean, that would be nice. You hire them and then voila. But you've got you've got to build a character, you know, help build that character within that person to keep them confident that they can that they can do the job. It, it, yeah. It's true. And I, I tell my teams this and I, I think, you, you know, one thing I, I would love folks to to take from this, especially people earlier in their careers or hell, even even mid-career. Um, the moment that somebody asks you to do something for them, they already believe you can do it. Hmm. Right. And and it gets missed. Right. Look, I'm, I'm not in the business of failing. Right. I'm not in the business of failing. You think I'm going to ask somebody to do something that I don't think they can do? That's stupid. That's a good way for me to get exited. Right. Um, and then sort of the joke around that aside. But but by the time a boss or a potential employer or, or sort of a peer has asked you to do a task, they've already decided that you can do it. You just have to decide that you can do it. Right. Or or realize that that you can do it. And that's that's I think that's something that holds a lot of people back in their in their career is 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 understanding, you know, that's that door opening. That's that that opportunity. It, it's not given randomly, right? It's 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 not given willfully incorrectly, right? People people already believe in you and they're they're willing to take a shot and you just again, you 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 just have to walk through that door. Absolutely. Technical side, I have a technical question. Maybe we can start landing the plane a little bit, but I've got to ask the CTO of Fortune Media. I'm having all these conversations about this world of AI, and you're in it. You're building teams. You're in it. Talk about AI. Let's. Yeah. What is about to happen, in your opinion? I mean, what, what is what, what what is it here? Uh, it's it's interesting. So, uh, uh, two disclaimers, uh, sort of upfront uh, about that one. Uh, I'm actually building a uh, greenfield gen AI powered application for Fortune right now. Uh, it's very exciting. I can't talk a lot about it, uh, but but we are in the process of that. So that's disclaimer one. Disclaimer two. I actually have pretty controversial uh, opinions about uh, gen AI, and I'll and I'll I'll start with that. I think gen AI is largely dumb, right? I I actually don't. I don't find it that interesting. And you're like, well, Jonathan, you just said you're building something and, and you don't think it's interesting. That that doesn't seem very bright. And let me tell you where I do think 
Gen AI and LLMs are particularly interesting and in, in where I really see this going. Uh, and if you if you go back in the the way back meter, you know, back when my my beard was not great, uh, we used to call UX uh, HCI or human computer interface. And I think if you look at LLMs and a lot of the work in Gen AI, what's really exciting people is natural language search. And you start to imagine that as the killer app, because that's what I really think the killer app is not, you know, not go write me, uh, go write me a, 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 a 30 page Star Trek fan fiction where, you know, Card wears a, a gladiator outfit and takes over a planet, right? Like that, I, I don't really think that's going to change the world too terribly much. Um, but but being able to interact with a computer, uh, being able to interact with data sets uh, or knowledge bases that, that you don't have. If you think about the number of companies that waste hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars on knowledge management, right? Like any, any meeting that somebody talks about a, a knowledge management strategy, I'm just going to walk out. Like I'm just going to walk out because, because people are pissing money away. Uh, those, those, those never end well, but where do I think, you know, gen AI starts getting really interesting and LLM start getting really interesting there, right? The ability, because what they're really good at, is synthesizing vast amounts of, of information, synthesizing it down into to salient points. And so you you start seeing this, this really interesting place where uh, the way that we interact with a computer starts uh, really be uh, sort of dominated by LLMs and, and a lot of the current work in, 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 uh, uh, in AI, right? So, you know, inter we all know how to interact with, with, each other. We know how to ask questions. We know how to refine questions. Uh, we know how to do that. It's much easier doing it in spoken word than it is by typing or or using a word wrong or just clicking around with a mouse or, or anything like that. So that's what I find uh, really very exciting. And I, I think if I, if I look forward, I think some of the current stuff is uh, is is sort of a nascent technology. I think it's uh, I think it's precursor or or temporary, um, and I I think it's just going to get embedded in how we use compute uh, more than than being something magic it, itself. I, I I I I think for me the more interesting things are are harder AI and real AI. You know uh, the the you know things like supply chain logistics or or predicting uh, seasonality, all the really math based stuff, rather than the 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 flashy LLM kind of stuff. Yeah, I feel like I could go and continue to ask questions about AI. I know we don't have all day long. I um, this has been this has been awesome. I love hearing your story. I love the passion that you have for your individuals, for your team members, and now I can officially say that I've interviewed someone from Fortune Media. How cool is that? Like, that's the coolest thing. And so I, I appreciate you. Where, if if people want to know more about you, if they want to know, do you have publications? Do you do blogs? 
you you have so much knowledge. How can people know, follow you or do more with you? I'm 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 actually shy. Uh, it doesn't sound like it. Uh, uh, so I don't I, I don't tend to put a lot of stuff out uh, out there. I'm incredibly easy to find on LinkedIn. Um, uh, you know, you, like you type my name and you look for the bald dude with the square glasses. Like it's 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 not hard. Uh, so it's probably the e- easiest way to find me. Uh, and you know, I'm look, I'm always happy to talk to folks about what I've got going on or what I'm doing. Uh, and, and I, I keep promising myself, uh, you know, that, that I will try and write more, uh, and, and I, that's likely where I will do it. I just will, will have to get over having my stuff on the internets forever, uh, and uh, I mean, that's the other thing. I'm also a terrible writer. I'm much better with the spoken word than I am with, with, with writing things. So, uh, it may happen, but, but it, that's where, that's the easiest place to find. Fantastic. Hey, I'm so bad at writing. I just get to talk for a living and have interviews. So that's why I've, I've turned that into just talking now. Right. It's just <laughs> pure luck, right? Pure luck. Pure luck. Yes, sir. Pure luck. Well, Jonathan, I, I, I honor you and thank you enough for giving me your time. I know you're super, super busy and I know Pamela and I really appreciate you. And uh, maybe we'll we'll catch up maybe down the road and maybe have more in-depth tech conversations. But yeah, I, I love, love to hearing do that. this again. We'd love to do this again. And then do, do you want to stop the recording, Lane? Or... Yep, yep. I'll end it right now. I'll just tell everyone, the listeners, that if they want to go more and learn more about our podcast go over to apple or spotify scroll all the way to the bottom and give us a five-star rating and a five-star review make sure you share this episode with someone that you think would have value and love to hear jonathan's story and so with that uh jonathan thanks so much for listening to the peak pursuit podcast we'll see you guys next time thanks for having me thank you for joining us today on the peak pursuit podcast brought to you by callaway cloud consulting We hope today's journey with our incredible guests has enriched your path and inspired you to your pinnacle of success. Remember, every challenge is a stepping stone to triumph. Don't forget to subscribe for more wisdom from the mountaintop and join us next time as we continue to unlock the secrets of success. Until then, keep climbing, keep dreaming, and keep pursuing your 